We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle Pollock FF. And joining me is my co-host Jordan Hoover at jhoover9787. Jordan, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. Um, coming off of a pretty strong Saturday of college football, some pretty wild and, and weird stuff happened this weekend. It started on Friday night. We were talking about this before we started recording, but Virginia went to Boise State, won 42-23. And it's kind of like a sort of an off game Friday night. Probably not a ton of people were watching, but before that game, Boise State was 41 and four at home since 2010. And in those four losses, the largest margin of defeat was seven points. So that's a really huge win for Virginia and kind of a you know a, a, a trend breaker in a big way. And then that carried all the way over to last night when you know you and I obviously were both watching the. Uh, Penn State-Iowa game, crazy finish in that game. Some weird stuff happened in the late pack in the uh, West Coast games. So uh, it was a jam-packed and pretty wild weekend. Yeah, even going into the fourth quarter, Clemson and BC were tied 7-7. I mean, Clemson ended up pulling away, but that was kind of an odd game to, to look at too. Um, and that's actually going to be one of the games we talk about later. But um, like you said, the, one of the games you mentioned, uh, probably the – best game of the night was primetime on ABC. Um, 
Penn State barely squeaked by at Iowa, um, pulled it out. Saquon Barkley um, led the way. If you hadn't heard about his impressive performance, um, you're going to hear about it a lot now. Um, he had 211 rushing yards, which was a career high for him. Um, but that, to me, wasn't the most impressive part of his game. I mean, obviously, he had a ton of uh, impressive runs with, you know, he had that one with the hurdle where he got hit midair and stayed on his feet, um, a couple other pretty impressive runs. But he also had 12 catches in this game. So he had 40 total touches for the Lions, um, 94 receiving yards, 211 um, rushing yards, like I said, and also had 53 kick return yards. Um, so I think to a lot of people, he kind of solidified himself in the Heisman race. Um, I know Penn State's stuck at number four, but it, probably a little concerning to some people. Um, this game, obviously, it's a tough night game against Iowa. Um, overall, they played pretty well, just couldn't really convert in the red zone, which was a little concerning. Gave up a couple big plays late, um, but this was a this was a nail biter to watch and a pretty entertaining game overall. I'd say. Yeah, Trace McSorley just knows how to rip your heart out and then at the very end just put it back together and make up in your friends again. He's It's nail-biting to watch whenever he plays, but he's exciting. And like you said, Saquon Barkley, there's really not much left to say about him at this point. I don't think he's shown that he can be an absolute workhorse, play in all facets of the game, excel at all facets of the game, highlight real plays consistently. He's, you know, we've been talking about him now every single week and um, kind of getting to the point where I'm at a loss for words. This this game kind of went the way that I thought it would. I I really did think that Iowa would, would be able to hang, uh, but I definitely did not see that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to call that ending. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, we had our podcast titled Iowa, or Penn State on Upset Alert uh, last week, and I think that one certainly rang true. Iowa ended up covering, but um, couldn't pull it out. They looked pretty good. Akram Wadley looked uh, decent for them. He was bottled up for most of the game. Um, Penn State's run defense was pretty strong. He had a, a long touchdown run. Uh, or not a touchdown run. He did have a touchdown run, but it wasn't uh, his longest run. His longest run was uh, had a nice spin move in there as well in the third quarter and had a 70-yard touchdown reception as well. So I know some people like him. Wasn't super impressed with him just because he couldn't get a lot going uh, most of the game. But overall, I think Iowa's a team who um, can threaten people in the Big Ten, especially teams like Wisconsin out, out west. I think they they would probably be their biggest threat out west um, uh, to prevent them from going undefeated, I would say. But um, other than that, not, not a ton to take away from this game for Iowa for me. Yeah, I, I thought that Wadley, you know, he's he was kind of the only guy that was doing much for Iowa. His... He did. He did impress me a bit with his his ability in the open field, especially again in the re- in the receiving game is something we always look for, and he's definitely more than serviceable in that area. Um, but you know, he he kind of he he kept them in that game. They they need to get him the ball consistently to to have a chance of scoring points. Really. Yeah. Um, speaking of scoring points. Georgia was able to do just that this week over Mississippi State. They won this game 31-3, to uh, convincing fashion. Big win for Georgia. They moved up to number 7 today after that. Um, Jake Fromm was uh, very efficient for them. Had a nine, almost a 96 QBR, only threw 12, pla- 12 passes, but had 201 yards, uh, two touchdowns, averaged 16.8 yards per completion. Um, I'm not sure, haven't heard news on Jacob Eason, but... 
and thinking to think Eason might have lost his job with uh, the way Fromm has been playing lately. Yeah, um, he's Fromm has done nothing to this point. I think to to get put back on the bench, even when Eason gets back, he he looked really impressive in this game. Was super efficient, over twenty yards average uh, yards per t- adjusted yards per attempt. Excuse me, looked really good against a very 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 tough Mississippi State defense. It was really impressive. Um, Mississippi State just couldn't really get much going. Their their run game was was pretty much non-existent. It, it looks like Georgia's defense is really starting to round into form. And I think, you know, Kirby Smart going there as the head coach, we know he's a he's a really talented defensive mind, and it was probably only a matter of time before he started getting it going, and it looks like they're trending in that direction. We were talking about Georgia being dangerous, you know, for the last couple of weeks, and it's, it, you know, the, the train is picking up momentum. Uh, from my from my vantage point, definitely um, for Georgia. Um, like I said, Fromm only threw twelve passes, but the run game obviously then helped the offense get to thirty-one points. Nick Chubb, unlike Texas, I would say is back, looks healthy again. Um, two touchdowns, eighty-one yards. Glad to see him kind of returning to form. He's a joy to watch. Um, DeAndre Swift, the true freshman, actually had more carries than Sony Michelle in this game. Obviously, it was a little bit of a blowout. Um, that probably factored into it, but 10 carries for 69 yards. Again, like you said, a tough Mississippi State defense as a true freshman is definitely something that I'm impressed with. And I think that combo of Fromm and Swift going forward um, is definitely going to be something that helps Georgia in the coming years kind of develop into maybe a program that is able to challenge Alabama in the SEC. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to challenge them in the SEC East. Um, certainly doesn't look like Tennessee can do that. Maybe Florida, if Florida can. Um, looks like their offense is picking up a little bit, but I don't think Florida is all that much better than a team like Mississippi State, um, kind of similarly built with a strong defense. And I, I would say Mississippi State's offense, at least I thought so, coming into this game was better than Florida's. So, I mean, I think Georgia looks looks uh, pretty pretty good to be headed to Atlanta um, late in December to face off against Alabama. I agree. Um, so the next game we're going to talk about uh, ended up causing what was the number three team in the country to start the year to fall out of the top 25. Uh, Florida State fell to North Carolina State 27-21. Um, not a huge upset. I believe the line in this game was 12 and a half, if I remember correctly from last week. Um, it was James Blackman's first start. Um, obviously, Francois got injured. Florida State had a couple games canceled due to the hurricane. Um, Ultimately, um, Cam Akers kind of, I would say, led the way for this offense. I mean, uh, Blackman wasn't super great for them. Um, Had 278 yards, um, just 22 for 38, though. Um, This Florida offense looks like it's in a little bit of trouble. Auden Tate had a good game for them. I know he got hurt. Uh, I'm not sure on the status on him, but he had nine catches for 138 yards and a touchdown. So that's kind of the performance me and you have been looking to get out of him. Um, Calvin Harmon, guy we like on NC State, quiet, one catch for 16 yards. This seemed kind of like a weird game. I wasn't able to catch any of it, but um, hopefully Tate's okay. Hopefully he can keep that connection going with Blackman so he can put up big numbers, and that'll boost his stock a little bit. But overall, kind of disappointed um, in Florida State, specifically their defense. Yeah, just a couple things I wanted to point out. I, I actually did get to watch a pretty big chunk of this game, and James Blackman as we might expect, looked nervous to start. Um, he probably had no thoughts that he would even be playing a single snap this year, and now he's thrust into his starting role. 
So it's a, it's a tough spot for anyone like that. But he, I thought that he did improve as the game went on. He, he definitely locked on to Auden Tate, which is encouraging because, uh, you know, we've been talking about Auden Tate. He's the best wide receiver on that team, and he should be getting the majority of targets. So hopefully Tate, like you said, isn't hurt and out for an extended amount of time. And then on the NC State side, Ryan Finley looked good, I thought. He's, you know, completed around 69% of his throws, a very nice completion percentage. Uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And Jalen Samuels, too. I, I, I feel like we may have talked about him a bit earlier on in the pod. Um, he's just so damn productive. It, it's really kind of a shame that he's stuck in this weird, like, six foot one, 230-pound body, which just doesn't really project very well to the NFL. But he had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, which is kind of his forte going over his career. You know, I, I really I don't necessarily know that he's going to blow up, assuming he gets invited to the Combine. I would assume he does. I don't know that he's super athletic, but I really want him to be because I want someone like that to get a shot at, at, at the NFL level. And I think if he does well at the Combine, a couple teams might take a look at him just because of how productive he is. And he just has a nose for the end zone. Those are all cliches, but they matter to NFL front offices. So... That was another takeaway. Jalen Samuels, just he, all he does is score touchdowns. It's impressive. Yeah, him and, uh, like we, you mentioned before, Boise State, they have Jake Rowe there, and they've ran him out of the Wildcat on the goal line the past two games, and he's also scored a touchdown. I'm wondering if these kind of tweener tight ends are starting to become, I mean, obviously it's just these two for now, but Rowe's 6'3", 227, like you said. Um Samuels is 6'1", 230. I wonder if these tweener tight end types are going to um, maybe get featured a little more on the goal line for teams that don't have as strong of a rushing attack um, instead of kind of tossing them a you know shovel pass or throwing it up to the end zone with them. You can't do that because they're smaller, but they're bigger body guys that can fight through the fight through the traffic kind of in, on the goal line situations. I, I wonder if these type of guys will start being more prevalent because you can't really classify them as H-backs because they're, they're getting these carries out of the backfield. But, you know, they're also being pretty productive as receivers. Uh, Samuels had 12 receptions, and he was also extremely impressive last year. Um, yeah, I really don't know what to make of him, but he, he's someone who I think will find a way. I could see him being one of those uh, productive special team career guys that uh, sticks around on the team a while in that kind of role. Yeah, I think he makes it to the league. It's just kind of like you said, it's sort of a question mark as to in what capacity, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned it before. Um, Clemson, I would say, snuck out a win. They won thirty-four to seven, but it was tied seven-seven going into the fourth quarter. So I don't really know if you can classify that as sneaking out a win, but um, definitely closer for most of the game than a lot of people thought. Um, BC's defense was very impressive. Um, offensively, they don't have a lot going on anymore. Um, or if they ever did. Um, they haven't had anything really since Matt Ryan. But Kelly Bryant, um, passing-wise, wasn't super uh, super impressive. But as a runner, that's where he's kind of made his mark this year. And he uh, impressed again, had over 100 yards, had two touchdowns. Uh, the guy that impressed me the most for Clemson this game was uh, Travis Etienne. Um, and he's really caught my eye this year. Um, I know we've talked about this freshman running back class a lot, but he's someone who's really impressed me. The burst he's shown in uh, on all his carries. He hasn't had over 10 carries in any game, but just the way he can accelerate and hit in the corner, um, it, it's rare for a freshman to possess that kind of speed, that kind of burst and acceleration. 
and building on that if he gets a little bigger bulks up um, I, I think the sky is still the limit for this guy um, I, I'm really falling in love with his game I know Tavion Feaster has kind of been getting a lot of work for Clemson but I think Etienne's a better back and I think he's um, probably a, I'd put him a, t- a top three back um, freshman for me yeah, I, I really couldn't agree more. He he needs to be the starting running back for Clemson moving forward. I think that it's pretty clear that he gives them the best chance to be efficient on offense, move the ball with that extreme explosive big play ability. He's, he just seems to do it every week, and it doesn't seem to be a fluke at this point. He, he needs to have more than nine carries. I know Kelly Bryan had 22 rushing attempts, which I don't necessarily think is what Clemson wants to do moving forward. I, I think that they would probably be better off shifting some of those to Etienne and maybe cutting back on Feaster's workload a little bit. It just seems like he's here to stay, and he's he's the guy that deserves to get the touches. And that was kind of my takeaway from this game. This is one I didn't get to watch. I kind of caught my eye whenever it was, you know, like you said, it was tied up in the third quarter. Got a little weird there for a second, and then Clemson pulled away, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Etienne needs he needs more touches. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying about this performance. Has he been the most impressive freshman running back to you this year? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because it it's it tough. seems that I mean Dobbins is there, Carr, Carr is there, Trey Sermon is another guy that I like. Trey Sermon's been he, yeah, yeah, man, that's really tough. It, I want to say that he's probably caught my eye the most. You know, I I don't really like doing film analysis via Twitter gifts, but um, right. seeing seeing Etienne sort of he he's he showed in this game too. I saw one clip where he he broke one or two tackles inside the hole, maybe three or four yards from the line of scrimmage, and then that acceleration, like you said, is is just rare. You, you just don't see that kind of burst of separation where he goes from level with safety to 10 yards away from him in a split second. It's, it's just very freaky and, and, and you don't see it very often. So I think I'm most intrigued by Etienne, but like you said, it's, it's so hard because there's so many guys that fit that, that wild, crazy, good freshman running back mold right now. It's, it's a saturated market. Yeah, I know we're, we've been looking down the line at these guys a lot, but I really think that has a potential to be like a special class, kind of like um, la- last year's class. Yes. Um, I don't know so much more about this class. Obviously, you have Barkley and Geis at the top, um, but I'm not sure if it has kind of the um, those kind of guys littered throughout the class. Like maybe, you know, obviously we have Kareem Hunt, Fournette, Cook, those guys producing immediately in the NFL. And it's kind of similar with this freshman class, just guys stepping in and performing right away for big teams. Um, going uh, going down, we were talking about running the ball, freshman running backs. Um, Alabama has a couple of those. Vanderbilt asked for Alabama, <laughs> and they got them. Um, didn't really end well for them, though. They lost 59 to They nothing. wish they could take it back. At home, <laughs> even though uh, half the crowd was Alabama fans. It was a home game for Vanderbilt. Um, like we were saying, a couple of these running backs for Bama. Damian Harris had a tremendous game. Um, 12 carries, 151 yards, three touchdowns. Bo Scarborough also had two touchdowns. True freshman Brian Robinson had a rushing touchdown as well. Um, another true freshman, Najee Harris, 10, ca- 10 carries for 70 yards. And 
Um, another true freshman, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, um, was pretty impressive in mop-up duties. Um, I wasn't able to catch any of this game, but I did see his one play where he, I don't know, what I can't even describe what he did in the pocket, but he broke about three or four tackles, ran around and threw a dime into the end zone, and um, that's why some people were talking about him potentially taking over for Jalen Hurts as a starter. The, yeah, the closest thing commenting on this, because I know the exact gift that you're talking, or the, the video mm-hmm. you're talking about, um, the closest thing that I could compare it to was something similar to what Aaron Rodgers does sometimes. And and that is not to say that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be Aaron Rodgers. I have no idea, and I'm not making that statement. But you don't see quarterbacks maneuver inside of a very small area in the pocket like he did on that play and then have the sense to keep looking downfield and deliver a strike. It's That's another kind of rare trait that a lot of quarterbacks just don't have. And this is, again, very small sample size. He's you know, he's not going to be the starter next week. Hertz is going to still be the starter. But, yeah, that was another uh, that was another Twitter, uh, a little video on Twitter that caught my eye as well. It was really impressive. Yeah, and uh, Vanderbilt, I guess we can say they're, they're done. They don't have that, re- that relevance um, that they briefly had. They fre- uh, flirted with the top 25 there for a week. I think we can kind of say they're, they're not a top 25 team. Yeah, uh, this... This is a kind of loss that I think is going to, it hurts, you know, it, I think it's it's going to hurt their, not the program, I don't think necessarily, but for this season, I, I still think that they're, I think that they're an above average football team, but I think that they were definitely overrated and, you know, Kyle Shermer, he kind of, I'm just staring at his stat line right now and it is atrocious. I don't even want to say the numbers because <laughs> we have the explicit rating on the pod, but this might even go beyond that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, for Vandy, they're going to have to try and rally here. It's going to, you know, hopefully they can shake this loss off pretty quickly and be competitive in the next couple games. But it's the SEC. There aren't very many easy games, so it'll be tough. And, you know, Bama with this running game, this kind of reminds me of what Bama has looked like over the last five years or so, or even longer than that, where they would just, they just have so many guys that they can rotate in when the offensive line is playing well. And it's just five-star after five-star after five-star, and most teams just cannot keep up with that. And, you know, if, if they can continue to move forward with that mindset and, and execution, it's, you know, same old story. It feels like we're always, we're, we're repeating the same narrative every year, it feels like. Yeah, like like clockwork, Alabama number one. It is um, not much not much to doubt there. Um, last game we're going to talk about probably the biggest game of the day, at least um, hype wise, was uh, TCU versus Oklahoma State, and TCU knocked off uh, the Cowboys in pretty impressive fashion, forty four to thirty one. Um, Kenny Hill looked like the old Kenny Trill, Kenny Kenny the Thrill Hill, whatever whatever you want to call him, what he was back in that A&M. Um, he was back to that form. Um, 22 of 33, 228 yards. Uh, also did a little work on the ground, not as much as he usually does. Um, but Darius Anderson was the main offense for TCU, 26 carries, 160 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he looked pretty impressive. Um, Kyle Hicks hasn't played the past couple games. I expected a guy who me and you both like, um, Sewo Olano, Sewo O, I'm just going to go with. Um, I know we've talked about him a couple times. You, you guys you guys don't know who, who I'm talking about. Um, but Anderson has kind of been the guy the past couple, couple games. Um, 
and he, he's been getting uh, consistent work and consistently looking impressive. Already has six touchdowns on the year. Um, TCU's a dangerous team, I think. I think they could give Oklahoma a run for their money in the conference. Um, I could see these three teams kind of splitting games and coming down to a three-way tie, which would be a very messy situation for the Big 12 um, on who to send to their championship game and then who to potentially send to the playoff if one of them wins. Um, so that could be a situation to watch. Um, Mason Rudolph wasn't all that good. He did have almost 400 yards passing, but two interceptions, um, just over 50% completion percentage. Um, our guy James Washington, uh, obviously, him, his usual self, had an 86-yard touchdown. That was really impressive. Um, nice, nice catch there. Um, but six catches, 153 yards and a touchdown. But overall, I, I was pretty surprised by this because I really liked Oklahoma State coming into this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I know that on Saturday morning, uh, I was following on Twitter, there was some, there was a ton of money coming in on TCU late when they were still getting, I think, maybe like 10 or 9.5 points. Um, but I was with you. I, I really thought Oklahoma State could win this game. It, I think, you know, the difference really came down to turnovers. They Oklahoma State turned the ball over four times because, I mean, the yardage was about the same. Uh Turnovers will do you in, especially with a with a team that's as well coached as TCU. And I agree with you. I think that the TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, there's a really good chance that they kind of cannibalize each other, which would hurt all of their causes, you know, at the same time as far as looking for towards the playoff. But I'm not throwing in the towel yet on Oklahoma State. I I think that you know this is definitely a letdown and a setback, but I still really like their offense and. James Washington, like you said, is kind of just another guy that I don't really have much more to say about him. He's just always productive. He's amazing at contesting catches down the field. He just does his thing no matter what. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is, like, it's going to be really interesting moving forward, that top three in, in the conference, uh, how that exactly shakes out. Yeah, I think you said with the money coming in late, I think I want to say Oklahoma State had two offensive linemen out for this game, so that definitely could have been a factor. There you but go. I don't think that's enough for a 13-point swing and, um, to obviously lose the game for them. Um, but if something like that ends up breaking this Saturday and uh, you see a way to take advantage of it, you can always head on over to my bookie to do that. Um, my bookie, as we've talked about before, one of the most uh, reputable places in the business. They have live in-game betting, so say, you know, Another Oklahoma State offensive lineman gets hurt next week. You can go and bet in-game. Um, they also uh, have fast payouts, like we've talked about before. And I know you guys you guys might trust our picks at this point. You probably trust your picks more, so you know who's going to win. You can just head on over to my bookie. You can use our promo code ROTOCFB to activate the offer, um, and they'll, uh, they'll match uh, your deposit with a 100% bonus. Um, so head on over to mybookie.ag and use our promo code ROTOCFB to get that 100% uh, bonus deposit. Um, this uh, We're going to talk about our previews for this week now. Um, we actually have a very good Friday night game, which is something uh, we don't usually have, which is nice, a ranked matchup. We have USC traveling to Washington State. Um, USC is favored by four points. Um, I am kind of intrigued with this matchup. Almost like USC Cal was this week, except it's probably a little bit of a, not a little bit, it's a much better um, matchup. I'd say Cal is kind of like the plus-plus version, or excuse me, Washington State is the plus-plus version of Cal um, with a, a great offense and a meh defense, uh, all white one that's improved. Um, 
Darnold's been kind of inconsistent this whole year. Um, same thing against Cal for him. And Luke Falk has been tremendous for Washington State with a 77% completion percentage, uh, 9.5 yards per attempt, and a 14 to 1 touchdown ratio. Um, and one guy that I know we talked about before, um, part of that freshman running back class, Stephen Carr, uh, may be getting the start again for USC as Ronald Jones was out this week um, for for them. Not sh- have no update on his status yet. Um, I want to trust USC here. I'm not sure if I can though, especially Friday night. A little bit of a short week. Washington State's not a super easy easy place to play. Um, crowd's going to be a little wild there, and. They've just been, I don't know what to make of them this year. I mean, Cal kept it close with them, but they only won by 13 points. Western Michigan kept it close as well. Stanford kept it close as well. It seems like they're kind of kind of due for a loss or due to either just blow a team out. Um, I'm going to say Washington State is able to pull off the upset in a close one, um, but I don't feel very good about that. I think this is going to be a very, very entertaining game to watch. Yeah, this... There's there's some good games on this slate, but I think that this one is probably the most intriguing to me, just because I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you are. I don't quite know what to make of Washington State yet. I think that you laid it out pretty succinctly and on point. The status of Ronald Jones, as much as we like Stephen Carr, you know USC is obviously better with Ronald Jones playing. So I I haven't been able to find anything specifically on his status yet again it's only Sunday night so we probably won't know if he's out um you know Carr is really talented but I think that they play well off of each other as a as a combo um you you named it Falk has looked great Darnold again was kind of up and down against Cal and I sort of have the same feeling you know USC against Cal last week it was 13-13 going into the fourth quarter this has a similar feel on the road uh, favored. I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you and take Washington State plus four. I actually think that USC might win this game, very, very, very close. But mm-hmm. getting four at home, you know, it's off. It's it, it's off the three. But it doesn't really feel great. And this is again one probably I wouldn't put actual money on, but I'll take Washington State plus four. I'm with you. Yeah, this game just feels like it has one of those weird, weird college football games written all over it. Um, the next game we're going to talk about where game day is actually traveling to traveling to um, Blacksburg, Virginia for Clemson at Virginia Tech. Um, Clemson's favored by seven points. Uh, we just talked about our guy, Travis Etienne. Um, he could potentially steal a starting job in this game. I think it'd be smarter if they kind of just split carries um, right now with him and Feaster. Um, before kind of giving him the, the starting role in what should be a, a tough matchup against Virginia Tech, who has a tremendous defense. Um, I think this will be Kelly Bryant's first real test. I know Auburn was, uh, you know, a tough game for them, but I don't think Auburn's all that great personally. Um, I, I know their defense is solid, but their offense is pretty subpar, and Clemson was able to let them hang around a while. Um, Virginia Tech, on the other hand, has a guy who I've been really impressed with, who we haven't talked about, uh, Josh Jackson, their redshirt freshman quarterback, uh, 64% completion percentage, 11-1 touchdown interception ratio, and an 11.2 uh, yards per attempt. I have him on my college fantasy team. I, I've, I rolled him out this week and was really, really happy with the results. Um, I think he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the country personally, 
and he's a guy who has little to no hype right now. If Virginia Tech pulls this off, um, I could see him suddenly, I wouldn't say starting a Heisman campaign necessarily, but um, it could kind of spark him for a lot, lot more hype, um, a lot more potential you know, accolades down the line, like an all-ACC type guy. Um, and I think he's a perfect fit for Justin Fuente's offense. Um, I want to trust Clemson with that defense. Obviously, it's Jackson's first test, too, and Clemson's um, defense is a lot better. I wouldn't say a lot better than Virginia Tech's, but that defensive line is scary. Um, I know Clemson is traveling to Virginia Tech, but I'm going to trust that defense uh, to kind of slow down that offense a little bit, and I'm going to take Clemson plus seven. Yeah, this feels like a spot where... You know, I guess this is kind of similar to the first game we talked about with USC and Washington State. It's home, home dog, um, going to be a raucous crowd, same kind of deal. You know, Clemson is the more talented team across the board. That's just the way that it is. Uh, but that doesn't always equate to, you know, that doesn't always equate to winning the game. Um, I think you hit on all of those points, solid points. Josh Jackson's looked really good. Cam Phillips has been pretty dominant wide receiver for Virginia Tech. Getting seven at home. Now this one's really tough as well. I I agree with you. I think that I think that Clemson probably wins the game, but I think that Virginia Tech's defense can keep it close, and they can kind of rattle Brian a little bit. And if they can't get the if they can't get the passing game going, you know, and if if they if Virginia Tech can kind of limit Etienne's explosive plays, which I don't know if they can, but if they can, I think that they can keep this close. Virginia Tech at home, and this is a night game too, correct? This is the eight o'clock. Yes. Ugh. I I just love Virginia Tech at home. I know it's Clemson. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to pick against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, getting points. Especially getting seven. I'm going to take VT. Hell, why not? Okay. <laughs> this will be, be another... Uh, I'd say it'll be a different type of game than USC. I think USC will be more of a shootout. This game will be more of a... I wouldn't call it a defensive struggle. Obviously, these two defenses are both pretty elite, but more of a defensive-minded game. Um, similar where, you know, one play could kind of break it open. Um, next up, two teams. I wouldn't say... Well, Mississippi State will be looking to bounce back against Auburn. Um, they're traveling to Auburn, who's favored by 10 points. Um, like I just said, I don't feel great about Auburn this year. I mean, that they they killed Missouri this week, but we have it here in our show notes. Is Auburn that good, or is Missouri just that bad? I mean, Missouri has one of the worst defenses in the country, if not the worst. Um, so I know Auburn was able to put up 51 points on them this week, but they struggled with Mercer the week before, um, put up six points against Clemson. Um, gave up 10 sacks as well. Um, their leading receiver is a guy by the name of Will Hastings, who I've never even heard of, if we're being honest. He's 5'10", 167 pounds, um, but he only has 210 yards. Jared Stidham has just three passing touchdowns in uh, four games, and he's a guy who I was looking for uh, to potentially win the Heisman Trophy this year. Seems like Auburn's uh, quarterbacks tend to disappoint in that regard. A lot of hype, not a lot of uh, return on investment, I'd say. And Mississippi State is going to be looking to bounce back, like I said before. I think that Nick Fitzgerald is the best player in this game. I think Mississippi State's defense will control the line of scrimmage. And they'll be able to kind of 
go at Auburn's offensive line, which is a weak point for them. Uh, they have Jeffrey Simmons, who was a five-star a couple of years ago. A um, little bit of controversy. They ended up still signing him, and he's been pretty good for them this year. So I'm going to take the Bulldogs, um, plus 10 points. Uh, I still believe in them. I think Georgia's just kind of that good. Um, as long as that defense holds up to their standards, I think they'll be able to pull it out. Yeah, I don't like to use the term lock very often, but I feel pretty confident in Mississippi State in this spot getting 10. I think that this is a classic bounce back from getting blown out while everyone was watching spotlight game. It's tough to go on the road. Auburn isn't a necessarily an easy place to play. And Auburn is talented. Their defense, I think that their defense is pretty good. It's just that their offense, I am just not sold on that offense at this point. And like you said, I agree. I think that Mississippi State is still a talented team. They, you know, they got dusted by Georgia, but we both think Georgia's pretty good. So, I mean, that makes sense. Things like that happen. To me, this just... This feels like a very good spot for Mississippi State. I could see them, could see them not only covering the ten, but I could see them winning this outright and kind of getting back into that conversation. I just am not. I'm just not sold on Auburn's offense. I, I think their defense is fine. I think that they'll. I don't necessarily see this being a high-scoring game. Um, I think Auburn will will be able to do things on defense, kind of frustrate Fitzgerald a bit, but I think that. The, their running game, I think Mississippi State's running game will bounce back, and I think that they'll pretty much bottle up the Auburn offense. I could be wrong, but I have a, you know, this feels pretty strong for me, so I'm going to take the Bulldogs plus 10 as well. Yeah, I still agree that they're the, uh, well, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I'm going to say they're the, the second best team in the SEC West. Do you, do you feel comfortable saying that as well? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like, I, you know, I don't know who you would necessarily put ahead of them. You can't put you can't put LSU obviously ahead of them. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. And and it's just the fact that the spread is so large. I know that it's on the road, and I know that they just got you know, like I said, dusted by Georgia. But ten points seems like a lot in a game that I just can't see it getting. You know, I can't see Auburn running away with it in in any in any way. I just can't see that. So yeah, I agree. Exactly. Um... And uh, going over to actually, we're going to talk about draft really quickly. Um, I know we talked about draft before. Um, it's pretty simple. Here's how it works. All you have to do is, uh, it's basically daily fantasy, but instead of using a salary cap, you get to do a draft, which is my favorite part of fantasy sports personally. So drafts are taking place every couple minutes. You can go in and join one right now for next week. They start for uh, just $1, so anyone can play regardless of whether or not you're like a high-stakes player. Um, makes it a little easier compared to you know those those daily fantasy sharks who have you know models and stuff you're just drafting against guys um picking the guys that you want it's a real life snake draft um just like you play with all your friends in your season long leagues so if you guys want to hop on draft you can download their app at any time or you can just uh head on over to playdraft.com um, and for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code. It's RVRADIO with all caps. Um, so you can play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO uh, on your first deposit on draft. So go on over to the App Store, download the app, or you can go over to playdraft.com and use that promo code and you can start winning today. Um, next game we're going to talk about... Uh, Two teams uh, from the same state. Last game we talked about uh, a little bit of a different situation, though. Mississippi is traveling to Alabama. Um, this is a game that's proven a little difficult for Alabama in past years. 
not so sure it's going to be the same way this year. Mississippi's Mississippi is down. Uh, but what I'm really looking for in this game, Alabama's favored by 28. Um, I think they'll be able to cover. I want to see how Shea Patterson is able to handle this Alabama defense. Um, he's been very good this year, 70.5% completion percentage, 10.8 yards per attempt, and 11-4 touchdown and interception ratio. Excuse me. Um, and he's a guy I'm a big fan of watching. Uh, whether his style will translate to the NFL is something that I think remains to be seen. But um, in terms of college, I think he's could be um, one of the better quarterbacks, if not the best, in the SEC. Um, Alabama's defense, obviously, is probably the best in the country. Um, so th this is the matchup I'm really watching in this game. I'm not necessarily watching to see if Ole Miss can pull this game off because um, their defense is, is just downright awful. Um, they gave up 27 to South Alabama, 23 to UT Martin, lost to Cal by giving up 27. Um, Bama coming off that 59-point romping of Vanderbilt could be a little bit of a letdown game for them. So maybe Ole Miss hangs around for a bit, but um, I, I just don't think, um, you know, they're going to be able to score enough, personally. Um, so I'm going to take Bama plus 28, but, you know, watching watching Patterson go up against that Bama defense and his receivers, too. A.J. Brown is a guy who I really, really like. Um, I know I, I, he, he's just been super impressive this year for them, um, and he was between Bama and Ole Miss when he was a recruit. Could be a potential revenge game for A.J. Brown, um, but other than that, um, he, you know, I, don't, I think this game will be a blowout. A good old revenge narrative. Never lets us down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, should, I, should have, I should learn my lesson from you know picking against Alabama minus anything after what happened last week. But uh, <laughs> Nick Saban showed me, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Ole Miss defense is really bad. It, the, the thing I wrote down, the first bullet point under this game was, can Ole Miss score 28 points? And, you know, that's kind of, you know, sort of bombastic, but it's sort of serious at the same time because I really don't know the answer to that question. And, you know, I, I think that Mississippi has obviously the superior quarterback, Shea Patterson, like you said, is better than Kyle Shermer. Ole Miss third string wide receiver Demarcus Lodge is better than anyone on Vanderbilt's team. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, like you said, they're stacked. They're they're loaded in the passing game. However, Alabama's defensive line, linebackers, I'm kind of afraid that Shea Patterson might not even have time to throw the ball, distribute it to those guys to get it to them. It's it's a bit of a concern and if we see a similar game plan from Alabama on offense as we did last week, just pounding, rotating extremely large, fast, strong individuals in the backfield against this Ole Miss defense. This kind of feels like it could be tilted. 20 points is a lot for an SEC game. You know, like you said, historically Ole Miss has been able to keep this relatively close. But, and, you know, the letdown factor, like you said, as well. I want, I really want to take Ole Miss, you know, plus 28, because I feel like, I just feel like that's a lot of points, but I'm going to have to agree with you again. I'm going to take Bama. I learned my lesson last week. Bama comes home. I just don't know if Ole Miss can score 28 points. That's what it really comes down to for me. So uh, I'll also take Bama, and we agree. 
Yeah, that defense is just too good. It seems like this year is almost a year dominated by, by defenses with, with Clemson and Bama kind of being so dominant. Um, even, you know, Penn State's defense has been pretty good. Um, Oklahoma is more of an offensive-minded team, but those top four teams all have, you know, pretty strong defenses. Washington, too. Um, so kind of an odd year in that respect, I would say. Um, moving along to our next game, um, got a little, got a little Pac-12 action. Um, Arizona State coming off an upset of Oregon uh, travels to Stanford. Stanford's favored by 16 and a half, um, which is I think is a, a little high considering Stanford um, hasn't been that great this year. Um, our guy, our guy Bryce Love has been uh, you know consistently putting up those numbers for for uh, Stanford. Um, I know we both like him right now. He's actually on pace um, to outgain Christian McCaffrey from last year. Um, he ha he has uh, 792 yards um, to McCaffrey, who had 634 um, at the same time. Um, obviously, he's got that speed. Tremendous game last week against UCLA. Finally got you know not a lot. He's obviously been getting the most carries for the team, but had 30 carries, 263 yards. Um, I do want to see him improve in the um, passing game. However, just two catches all year. Um, so I know people are saying, oh, Bryce Love's better than Christian McCaffrey. If McCaffrey got picked, I saw somebody say if McCaffrey got picked eighth, uh, you know, Love should be picked second. But he doesn't have that um, added threat in the passing game, which is something that I want to see him develop. Um, on the other side of the ball, the other highly touted running back in the game is Kalen Balage. Um, he's a guy who athletically, I love his traits. I, I, you can see you know, the athleticism on film. You can see everything he brings to the table. But, um, you know, scrolling through Twitter again today, um, Kyle Francis, I saw him, Franchise KF, I saw him tweet out, um, Balaj has been held under 4.5 yards per carry in 13 of his last 16 games, and he has 2 yards per carry or less in 5 of those 6, which is one 100-yard game. I I'm still waiting for the production from Balaj, and with all these other guys below him, like Love, um, John Kelly, Rashad Penny, you know, even Royce Freeman, potentially, producing that much more than him uh, I he's kind of been falling down the board for me yeah I, I completely agree Balaj is a guy that we talked about coming into the season we I think that we both see those traits and we love what he can offer athletically but he just really hasn't been that productive um, this year it's kind of you know fallen off the face of the earth really 3.7 yards per carry so far you know yards per carry doesn't always tell the entire story but we need to see production or at least I need to see production in my opinion um, and yeah, whoever said that Bryce Love needs to go <laughs> higher than eighth in the uh, real NFL draft, you might want to slow down on that. Obvious, obviously, was I don't remember who said it. I wasn't trying to call them out. <laughs> I was, you know, just thought scrolling through. Yeah, obviously. yeah, I got they, you. It was hyperbole. But, yeah, uh, I got you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I love, I love Bryce Love, um, and and he has been really, he's just really productive in that role. And and maybe it is just that role in that offense. It definitely takes talent, and he has it. But that seems to be you know a spot where if if you're a talented running back and you go to Stanford and you don't have a ton of you know similar competition you can really excel and that seems to be sort of a trend forming and we're seeing Bryce Love kind of take that Stanford's quarterback situation is a bit worrisome for me um Costello uh got the majority of the snaps Keller I think Keller Chris got hurt last week against UCLA at some point in the game Costello came in Ryan Burns I think had a couple um had a couple attempts. All these guys are were really, you know, heralded recruits coming out of high school. 
but their their passing game has been a bit of a mess so far. It's pretty much been Bryce Love carrying the ball. Nikhil Harry, wide receiver for Arizona State, is another guy that we really like. He had a really big game last week. He's starting to heat up, it seems like. Arizona State, you know, coming off their upset win over Oregon, probably riding pretty high, traveling to Stanford. 16 and a half points. I, I think that I think this could be a similar game to last week, um, Stanford and UCLA. I see this being a pretty high-scoring game, and with a spread as large as 16 and a half, I if I think it's going to be high-scoring and a spread is that large, I generally favor the underdog in that situation. Um, I'm going to take Arizona State plus 16 and a half. I think that Bryce Love probably shreds ASU's defense, probably maybe tops 200 yards again. But I think that Arizona State can do enough on offense to keep it close. I think Stanford wins, but that's a pretty big spread in my opinion. Yeah, I think you just summed up my literal exact thoughts with that one. Um, that they're, they're going to be able to put up points, I think. Um, but I don't, I don't think they'll win ultimately. I think Stanford's defense is just too much. But um, that, that that's a big line, like you said, even though they're traveling to it. Um, so I'm still going to take uh, Arizona State with the points, Stanford to win the game. Um, and I, w- I want your thoughts. Um, I saw, you know, late last night, late night Pac-12, um, Quint Keselik, I believe, uh, the sideline reporter, um, pulled out a piece of toast when he said the loser of the game between Stanford and UCLA is toast. Do you, do you think UCLA is toast after that game? you think Josh Rosen and them are, are now done? <laughs> it's, it's funny you mention that because I saw someone tweet today um, – talking about Cam Newton they they I didn't know what that picture was and they showed the picture and they're like what is this guy doing holding Cam Newton in his hand and I I laughed but I didn't realize that, <laughs> that was the reference so that's good thank you for tying that together for me um yeah I thought that was uh it was quite the sight there for it's it's perfect Pac-12 after yeah that, that's what you get that's what happens when you stay up to like 12 30 here on the east coast you, you get really high quality content like that um <laughs> that's a good question I I think UCLA just has a lot of problems, man. They, you know, Josh Rosen really, he, he's obviously the best player on that team, but until they can get that defense sorted out, and I don't even know if they can, honestly, and I don't even know, you know, Jim Mora might already be sending resumes around. I don't know. Um, I kind of feel bad for Rosen because, he, you know, he, he, he can't win games all by himself. He needs some support from the defense, and they're just not giving it to him at this point. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about UCLA. Their defense is really bad. Yeah, I, I, Rosen Rosen deserves a better team. He does. And I think hope, yeah. hope, hopefully next year he'll get one, even though he'll be picked pretty high. Um, maybe he'll fall to a situation like Deshaun Watson or something like that where he gets put on a decent team. Um, you know, hope for him, though, that he kind of gets a, a better situation next year. Not the Jets. Whew. That would be – that would not be fun. <laughs> Um, next up, we're going to go to uh, another Pac-12 game. Cal is traveling to Oregon. Um, both teams just, just lost two tough games for them. Um, you have down here in the show notes, I like this one a lot. Um, Ross Bowers is bad. Justin Herbert is good. Um, <laughs> I think that sums up these two offenses pretty well. Um, Herbert's been really impressive. Um, I, I really like what I've seen out of him. It's just that defense for... Um, Oregon, they kind of need a might need another year to put that together before they're back to the um, Oregon State, Oregon that we uh, knew before um, when when Chip Kelly was there. Um, 
Royce Freeman's been, you know, doing the same thing he's been doing for the past 10 years, it feels like, at Oregon. Um, 10 touchdowns already on the year. And uh, Patrick Laird for Cal, their running back, has also had a good year. Um, little, well, wasn't as good last week against USC. Um, Cal's defense has been one of the biggest surprises of the year for me. I know Justin Wilcox came over from Wisconsin, and that was kind of his main main point of emphasis for them was improving that defense because they've kind of just been so poor for the past couple of years. Um, I don't think they're quite there yet. I, I don't think they can beat Oregon by, um, by, by you know, I don't think they can cover the spread, essentially. I think Oregon will win by 17 or more. He's at home. Um, Cal might kind of be a little let down after that USC game. But I think they're a program who, under Wilcox, could definitely make some noise in the Pac-12, kind of get back up to where they were previously. Yeah, it's. I guess it's kind of boring when, when we always agree. But <laughs> um, I sort of, you know... Like you said, you read that first bullet point, Ross Bowers is bad, Justin Herbert is good, and it's really kind of how I feel about this game. I, I don't, you know, Oregon's defense is, you know, it's just not there. It's just not there yet. But I don't necessarily know if Cal can do enough to keep up with what Oregon's offense is likely to do to Cal's defense. Cal hung in there with USC, which was impressive last week. Oregon lost. Um which I think is even more reason why they're going to come back home, probably be ready to put points on the board in a big way. Honestly, I kind of feel like the spread should be a little bit bigger. Um, I think Oregon should potentially be getting more points than they are, so I'm going to also take Oregon minus 16.5. Cal could keep it close, but I think sort of at the end of the game, I could see Oregon kind of getting, you know, pulling out ahead. Royce Freeman should score a couple touchdowns in this game if, if uh, recent form holds true. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Oregon minus 16.5 at home. And I also have a feeling we're going to agree on this next game as well. Um, <laughs> a team we talked about before that we both like a lot now, uh, Georgia travels to Tennessee, who's uh, Georgia's only favored by 7 in this game. I feel like it should be way, way higher than that. Um, Let me double. I'm going to double check right now, as we speak, to make sure that's the spread because that was the open. But I will check because the lines did just open today. So I mean, you know, could already be heavy moving on that one. Tennessee only won by four against UMass this week. Um, Butch Jones, I think, is a candidate to be gone by midseason, especially with the new um, recruiting signing period in December. I think teams might want to get their coaches in there sooner rather than later so they can kind of uh, try to piece together a recruiting class if uh, guys start to leave, which I could see happening at Tennessee. Um, I think um, Quentin Dormdy, Dormday um, might might lose his job midway through this game, potentially, if they're down by enough. Um, Jared Guantanamo, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say Guantanamo. It's not like Guantanamo Bay. Um, Guantanamo. I'll call him Jared Guantanamo. Okay, I like you that one better. Yeah, he's a, um, I, I like him a decent amount. Um, he, he's a solid dual-threat guy who I think is their quarterback of the future. I, I was kind of surprised when Dorm Day won, won the job. Um, John Kelly, um, he, he has been Tennessee's team, basically. He's counting for 40% of their scrimmage yards, and I really, really like him. I, I, he might end up being a top-five back in this class for me, just the way he, he's able to run so physically, be, be a receiver out of the backfield. Um, you know, that, that backfield with him, Kamara, and... Um, Jalen Jalen Hurd last year um, had a lot of talent, 
and uh, I was, you know, kind of surprised they didn't fully utilize it. But um, I'm glad Kelly's kind of getting a shot now. But ultimately, I think Georgia's Georgia's going to steamroll Tennessee pretty badly this week. Yeah, I checked the line, and it actually opened at seven and a half. It's down to seven. So maybe okay. somebody knows something. Some, some ambitious Tennessee fans, yeah, I guess. Yeah, going after that. Yeah, one. maybe somebody knows Butch Jones. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe somebody knows something that we don't, but. I I agree with you. I could see Georgia winning this by two touchdowns or more. Um, John Kelly has been really productive. Like you said, 40% of his team scrimmage yards so far. He's kind of been their entire offense. But, you know, we talked about at the top of the show, Georgia's defense appears to be rounding into form. They still have Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Sonny Michelle. Hopefully he's healthy. You know, three-headed monster in the backfield that I don't necessarily think Tennessee can control. Um, Jake Fromm has given us real no reason to doubt him up to this point. You know, it's he, he went to, you know, he made his first uh, road start. I believe it was his first road start at Notre Dame earlier and mm-hmm. looked pretty good in that spot on, you know, on the road at night against Notre Dame, which, you know, whatever you feel about them, they're no pushover. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that, kind of the arrows to me are sort of pointing in different directions for these teams. I think Georgia's arrows pointed directly up, but Tennessee is just kind of, meh. They're just kind of there, and I don't really know quite what to make. Dormady I'm not a big fan of, um, but, you know, John Kelly could do things to keep this game close, but ultimately, you know, I, we agree again. I, I'm going to take Georgia minus seven on the road. I think that they could ultimately win this by two touchdowns or more. Yeah, that'll uh, we'll we'll wrap it up for the previews there this week. We'll get to our uh, upset picks now. Um, I was considering taking um, an SEC game. Uh, I was debating South Carolina uh, plus nine and a half against Texas A&M. I really like South Carolina, but I don't know if they'll be able to do that at home against them. Considering uh, they just lost to Kentucky, and Kentucky doesn't even guard wide receivers sometimes. So um, <laughs> I don't know if if I really trust their defense. Um, I'm going to roll with a team that I was impressed with a lot this week. Um, Iowa plus three and a half, uh, traveling to Michigan State. Michigan State just got steamrolled by Notre Dame. They lost 38-10. They were able to get ran all over, I think, Akram Wadley and that uh, backfield if, uh, should be able to run on Michigan State. Uh, Nate Stanley might be able to get a little bit going in the passing game then. And even though Saquon Barkley ran for 211 yards on them, I think their defense looked very good this week. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Iowa there, uh, plus the points. I like that pick. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the board going to the game between BYU and Utah State. game is at Utah State. They're getting five and a half, um, road dog, which is always a good place to start. And BYU, um, just isn't very good. I'm not quite sure, um why they're favored here, to be honest. I was looking at um, Bill Connolly's updated um, S&P rankings, and he does a pretty cool thing where he shows you teams' S&P rankings um, just straight up, but then he also shows you their S&P plus rankings taking out preseason rankings, um, which is a more isolated way to look at it. And if we're looking at it through that lens, this is obviously a high-level look, but Utah State is actually ranked pretty far ahead. BYU is actually ranked 123rd in the nation overall, which, you know, is really, really, really bad. 
Utah State's ranked 77th. I, I just, you know, not the decision isn't based solely on those numbers, but that's a pretty positive indicator in my book and getting points at home, five and a half. I, I feel pretty good about taking Utah State outright and, you know, haven't had a good track record picking these upsets yet, but this one seems um, kind of obvious to me. Yeah, I really thought me, me and you were looking pretty good going into the fourth quarter last week with uh, Toledo, you oh, know, man. plus the points against Miami, yeah. and then I had I had Purdue over Michigan, and both of them just kind of you know, fell apart in the fourth quarter. Toledo really let me down, man. That's that's what I guess that's what. Yeah, I gave up a couple late scores, and you know that game was a lot closer than it yeah. was. That's I guess that's what you get for trusting Ohio, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we we love you guys, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a bummer kind of a I checked the score I think at halftime Toledo was up and I was out on a run just smiling ear to ear like yep nailed it <laughs> and then nope it didn't <laughs> but yeah hopefully we'll uh, we'll bounce back this week yeah one last game uh, I want to touch on just briefly if we don't have to give it a full preview but um, Wake Forest is plus nine and a half at home against Florida State hmm. um, that could I also consider that game, and I think that could be a game if Florida State loses, the, the season really falls off the rails there. Because thinking about um, that that S and P plus uh, without the preseason projections, you were just saying I, I believe Wake Forest is it's either they're either second or fifth in that. Um, I don't I don't remember exactly which one, but they're, they're a fringe playoff team with the way they've been playing this year, according to Bill Connolly, um, and Florida State has not been playing like a fringe playoff team. Um, I think it's an interesting game to watch. I, I think it could be one of those similar, not necessarily a Bama Vandy type game, but it's, it's a game where Florida State's looking for blood, and Wake Forest is looking to pull off the pull off the upset. So I think that's kind of an intriguing game to kind of. Um, it's a four o'clock game, so yeah, that's a little bit of an appetizer to hold you over to uh, till Virginia Tech plays Clemson. Yeah, that's a sneaky spot too because Wake Forest held off App State. That was a game that I was really watching closely last week. App State was getting points at home, and I thought they had a chance to win that outright. They Wake Forest won twenty nineteen. Florida State's definitely in a bit of a trouble spot. That's a that's a good look. Yep. Um, so that'll do it for this episode of the College Football Show. Uh, for Jordan, again, he's on Twitter at jhoover9787. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm on Twitter at KylePollockFF. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. 
Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.